What's up, guys? We're the PR Girls, and this is our podcast. Welcome to the PR Girls podcast. The theme is uh, old school. So I'm starting it off as old school as you can get. I think you're my first friend ever. I think. And your last or no? Um, Probably not my last. I, and I'm still up in the air because I feel like if Vinny Gaeta heard me say that you were my first friend, there could be a little bit of an argument there. I'm not sure who came first. I'm not going to mess with Vinny, so. <laughs> we met in nursery school at, at Canterbury. I was one of two girls. Can you name the other girl? Well, I think there were several in the curriculum. No. <laughs> there was only two girls in the class. Um, you can't name it, can you? Was it uh, Hillary Clinton? No. She wasn't that memorable. That's my point. You only remember one. So I'm talking to Steve Grant. Steve Grant is my, we're going to say, my oldest friend. We've been friends now for close to 40 years. It'll be 39 we met when I was three. Give or take 20, yeah. 30 years. Yeah. You are currently a an attorney. You have your own law practice. Is that correct? That is correct, for oh. the record. Okay. <laughs> what kind of law do you practice? I do criminal defense and I do civil litigation. Mm-hmm. Um, I represent a variety of uh, farm animals as well. It's a niche <laughs> practice. And it's been, a, it's been tough to try to blend them all together, but... <laughs> You are a Suffolk alum, is that true? That's correct. Did you go to Suffolk for undergrad and law school? No, I went to UMass Amherst, and then I went off to my first private school, other than Canterbury, Suffolk Law. And when did you graduate from law school? 2003. Um, And you've been practicing ever since? Yeah, more or less. Does practice make perfect? We'll see. (laughs) But that's not why I brought you in here. I brought you in here today because this month, September, you will be celebrating the 8th. Wait a minute. Before we get into me here, I wanted to actually uh, congratulate you. Thank you. On? Having me as a guest on your your (laughs) podcast. I wanted to make sure I got that right off the bat. Continue. Um, I brought you on here because... It is the, is it the 8th anniversary or 7th anniversary, do you know? Yeah, it'll be my 7th, the 7th anniversary of doing this. Of yeah. Plenty of 20s. That's right. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, do you remember the exact, I mean, I remember the exact date, but why don't you tell everybody the exact date that you launched Plenty of 20s that in would, 2011? Yeah, we did it on September 30. Yeah. Uh, as a tribute to our friend, rest in peace. James Jolly. Which I want to talk about in a little bit. But for those of you who don't know, uh, to make a long story short, probably around this time, I would say seven years ago, you walked into my kitchen with Richard Cook, who was also our friend from nursery school, and said, we have this business idea that we want your help with. Do you remember what you told me the business idea was? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> what was it? 
Well, it was it certainly it was a business idea. It was an idea that we thought could be grow into a business. But it didn't start as a business idea. Yeah, it was just an idea to pretty routine and high $20 bills in public and then create this website where we just reveal the locations for people to find, you know. Yeah. And the idea was to, you know, make someone's day, pay it forward, that kind of thing. And yeah, definitely we were like, you know, if this caught on, we could get businesses to sponsor us, you know, give us 20s. Right. Someone, and that's, you know, what I do to this day, I'll, when I reveal a hiding spot, it'll be like brought to you by the Dockside Restaurant. But that wasn't what you had originally, at first you literally just said, I want to hide money and tell people where it where it is. Yeah, but, but then like immediately, thanks to you and your cousin's efforts, we, I mean, we were on the news before we hit our first 20 and um, it got a lot of buzz and people got a kick out of the idea. And, and we did, we thought, you know, maybe at some point we don't have to, all the 20s don't have to come out of our pockets. Maybe we get the community involved, small businesses and yeah. that sort of thing. And so Plenty of 20s launched and you launched with a website mm-hmm. and you, you, started just by hiding 20s putting them in an envelope and like your handwriting would be in like a note yeah i'd say congratulations please let me know you found this 20 and what would they do when they found it they were free well i don't know they would spend it they'd lose it i don't no, know but meaning, how did you know it was found so well they would i'd leave my email address or i'd say you know Tweet it, tweet us a photo, a fun pic of you. Because back then, Twitter was the bigger. There, I don't even think there was. Was there Instagram back then? Uh, there was Facebook. Yeah. And Twitter. Yeah. I think Instagram was still pretty new. Yeah, I think so. And then you eventually evolved where you had an email blast, all social media, and you eventually developed a mobile app so that people could find your money. Let's make this very clear. This, this is your money that you're hiding that's right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you basically created an app so that people could take your money right and thank with the help of nate maxfield who developed the actually there's an app on yeah there was an app it was on apple mobile app android yeah Yeah. Uh uh-huh um so yeah i that was the idea just how fast could one lose their money right you know but lose it so that it can be found (laughs) but so but 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 it really did take off. Do you know? So, like, we launched. I remember you on the news. Do you remember within, you know, not very many months, you have, you built a following of, like, how many Facebook followers, how many email subscribers? Yeah, yeah. So. Do you know what your numbers are? Or a rough idea of what they were at? At the time? Or even now. Well, now, you know, after seven years, we finally had, we got our 11th Facebook follower yesterday. <laughs> you didn't. And, um, so that's, if you do the math, that's over one a year. <laughs> now we no, have, you didn't. We have over 14,000 Facebook fans. Okay. Yeah. How many email subscribers? Uh, it's over 5,000. I know that. Right. Know number. But, and just to be clear, plenty of 20s went somewhat not dormant i won't say but less activity because life got busy yeah i have a job i have to attend to and i mean i was doing one for years I know every, you day, every day every day every single day yeah we could tell like towards the end when you started to get busy because all the 20s were hidden at courthouses <laughs> so we knew that you were to hiding them on your way in or on your way out <laughs> or like or at an event you were at like it got to the point where you were like oh shit like, I have to hide this one. Oh, yeah. At the end there, they were all in, like, brothels and yeah. dark, dark alleys. And 
it was it was getting bad. So I I scaled it back a little, and I tried to do one a week, and that's I've been pretty good about that lately. But you're trying to ramp it up now. Yeah, and I say one one a week. I'll do like an email blast with like four or five, six, twenties or gift cards. At, right. At a restaurant. Will so let's talk about where it evolved from. So it started as you would take a twenty dollar bill and you would put it in an envelope and you would hide it, and the person would find it and they'd tweet or Instagram a picture saying that they found it. But then you eventually did evolve it into like this marketing arm for businesses where you would go. Let's like let's use the the dock side for example. Where, for them, the overall cost was what to hide the twenties or back then? Yeah, it was, just, and even today, because I uh, they'll just give me the cost of the twenties, or they'll give me some you know twenty dollar gift cards to hide, for example, and maybe a small fee on top of that. To you know, and, and that that's it, really. And really, but it's a way for the for the brands to get in front of the the you know, 15,000 followers, 5,000 subscribers, whatever it is, right? So it's like low money investment for brand promotion. Yeah, I mean, only one person is going to find any given 20, but whenever when all these eyeballs are on the, the, the revealing of the hiding spot, it'll say, brought to you by Dogside. Oh, look, they have 20% off entrees right. tonight or, you know, and their deal, I can feature their ad and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you actually were ahead of the curve. I know that's shocking because you have mustard on your shirt. Well, no but. thanks to me. It was more you and Nate. Yeah, it was really Nate Yeah, back then. On the, on the tech side. Right. Although you developed my website, right? You created that, if I recall. Yeah. Did I? Absolutely, yeah. The, yeah, the format, yeah, yeah. I think I did. I do your social media, too. Yeah, yeah. You were tweeting and um, doing Facebook posts before our first neck-in appearance. So how huge is that? Like from now that you've seen it from a business perspective, like how is that something you're going to go after now? You're going to try to get because essentially now you still want people searching for the 20s, but you also want to appeal to more businesses, right? More, more dock sides, more. Yeah, yeah. It's just finding the time to do it. Um, I've always told myself if I just if I remain consistent, people will get a kick out of it, and we'll get more followers. And if I get more followers, I can get more sponsors. Right. And if I get more sponsors, I get more twenties. And if I get more twenties, I get more followers. Right. Because da, da, da. otherwise, it's just coming out of your wallet. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't. I, I can do it. I, I I get a kick out of it. Call it a hobby. If I even if I the rest of my life I'd had to give give away a few twenties a week, I'd still do it. It's it, I take a lot of pleasure out of it. And then especially when I get a photo and the, a little girl I got this week, a little kid got found a twenty at McDonald's and she was all excited and you know she'll never forget that. Or at least in the next couple of weeks, you know. So you're really. It's so funny because I remember one of the, the Lily Hopkins, who I see all the time. You didn't get to see her at. MJ O'Connor's for bombshells, but she's one of the bombshells against breast cancer. I kind of wish you had seen her. She is the one that specifically, I remember on one of your interviews, was like drilling you, thinking that this had to have been a business play. This oh, had man. to have been something. You had to have had a business plan, but you really just did it to just brighten somebody's day. Yeah, I don't mind that she was skeptical. I, actually, I did run into her a couple years ago, and she told me uh, she'd give me that that interview that went live, I just got to get, I haven't given her the info, but I'd love to see that because she, you know, she ambushed me a little bit. You know, it was she did. Cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, she yeah. couldn't believe for the light. Well, it's hard for people. I mean, I've known you now. We just said it for like almost 40 years and like it doesn't surprise me in any way, shape or form that you would do something to make somebody laugh or brighten their day. But to other people, that's odd because most people aren't as good as you, good hearted as you. Most people have some kind of ulterior motive, some kind of self gain out of it. And you literally just thought it was fun. 
Yeah, well, I, I look in the mirror every day and realize how much better of a person I am than most people out there, you know? <laughs> you are, I, though. I can see it. I'm not blind. I, I know. But, <laughs> and it has. I mean, people have literally, I mean, I remember at one point a couple years ago, like a woman had lost everything in a fire mm. and was like, had, had found a 20 and posted about like how it made her day. Not that it was going to replace all of the things that she lost in a fire, but just how the simple act of like finding it. I think she took her son. The whole family hopped in the And they got in the, yeah, and they got in the car and it was just something fun to do to get their mind off of it. And they found some 20s. Yeah, it was great. It was a great story. I hid that one outside the uh, Civic Center in Wakefield, right on the steps. That was—I remember the twenty that they found. Did you have yeah. to do something at the Civic Center? That yeah, night? basketball Tuesday nights. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever go? Like, what was the farthest you've ever hit a twenty? I'd probably be under the Eiffel Tower. I hit like seven in Europe when I went. Did you really? Actually, that's one of my favorite twenties. I hit a twenty under the Eiffel Tower, and then I announced it, and four hours later. It was found. Some girl over here, her boyfriend was traveling Europe. And really? He, and he was in Paris, and she told him, and he found it. It was, yeah. He only found one, though, and there was, so there's basically still a bunch of 20s in France right now? No, I had one in France. I had one in um, Dublin. Actually, two, I hit it for like four years ago. Two years ago, it was finally found. I hit it under uh, this poster. I slid it under a, like a, a picture on the wall at, at the Temple Bar. And I think there's still one at the Hofbrau House. I put one in a book in the gift shop, and it hasn't been found, and I buried it in one of the big pile so it could still be there so there's still how many have you ever done the math to figure out how many unclaimed 20s could possibly still be out there i'm afraid to i'm afraid to even count how many 20s i've given away do you think like thousands of dollars worth or like not unfound i I, there's a i'd say there's oh gosh there's probably at the most 10 of that that are unfound maybe less than that you just said there was three in europe yeah so yeah. there's definitely more than ten. Well, unfound. I think there's only one that's still unfound in Europe. That that one's in um, in Munich. Somebody stole your idea at one point. Oh uh, yeah. And that person was in California. Do you remember that? Yes, it was like a. I can't remember what the name of it was, but that's a good sign. Hidden money. I think that was it, or a hidden cash. Hid something like yeah, that's hidden right. Hidden cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the big the rage for like two weeks. And remember we. Had you, uh, Rich and I had had sat out to do Shark Tank. Yeah, we sat and you guys oh, finally yeah. went in. And remember, we were convinced that somebody from Shark Tank. Oh, totally. Became hidden cash. I, I that I to this day I think so. I think so too. But hidden cash never made it either. So why do you think that this never really caught on? I mean, I've seen other brands. Definitely bite your idea. I've seen the Celtics hide tickets. I've seen... I have stolen your idea multiple times. I hit a bunch of little nutcrackers to like promote the nutcracker. So the concept was definitely ripped off from you. Because I never saw it before that. Yes, but you know, so long as people are having fun, you know, I'm not so much jealous. Um... It should be. I mean, I wish everyone would give out money. How funny it would be if everyone was giving out money for for everyone to find, you right? Know? But to answer your question about 
why didn't it work? I mean, they were kind of a mess, that hidden cash thing. They were hiding, like digging holes and hiding 20s, and people were like tearing stuff apart, and there was property damage, and yeah. it was just an unorganized thing. And well, they, they, they also did money. large sums of yeah, money, which yeah. was the difference. Like at the end of the day, no one was going to fight each other fight each other over 20 bucks. Right. But they'd fight each over fight each other over 500. Exactly. I have stories where, uh, more than a few, where people arrived at the scene at the same time, and they agreed to split the 20, and they like, quite the opposite the opposite of like fighting for it you know? right because that's the theme is like it's all positivity that should be the theme and i think i think the world needs it more than ever now don't you mm. don't you think the world needs a little bit of like coming together and splitting 20 bucks maybe not 20 bucks but you know what I'm, you get my point yeah it's something fun you see all this crap in your in your email inbox or on the right. news and how about someone trying to literally trying to just give you some money and help help you go on a spontaneous little scavenger hunt for it? I think that's fun. Yeah, because it's not we're not talking about enough money to like change the world. But you know, twenty bucks. What can you do with twenty bucks? You can get coffee for your office if you decide to pay it forward. Yeah. You know, you can. You can tell your friends. I, I found twenty bucks. It's not about, it's not so much about the money. If if I put like five bucks or a two dollar bill in the envelope, I think I'd still get almost the same amount as followers it's about like the thrill of it and the like fun. being and winning and finding it and showing everyone and that's what i think how did you come up with the idea like how did we how did you get to the point where you you and rich were sitting around and you were like let's start hiding money like how did this all because i i don't remember i'm sure you told me but i don't remember yeah we were um we have these all these crazy conversations and one day we were arguing over you how have no crazy conversation ever. <laughs> is this one <laughs> um by the way is this being recorded i feel like yeah but we'll add like someone's no phone don't you get the idea someone's listening to us well maybe it's because my husband has no respect for when i do this and is constantly uses his laptop right outside my door to, to try to <laughs> squash it by the way do i might do i look all right you look uh, great yeah there's not gonna be any pictures. No one's though. gonna recognize me. Yet. No. Why is it that when you're when you're recording something in audio, you looked you look ironed and clean. When we go to an, <laughs> a public event, your shirts are always wrinkled and you have like some kind of stain. Right. Why is that? Well, I, honestly, I I wear the can. I thought we were gonna be on 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 video here. Oh. This is a podcast, right? Podcasts are not video. Oh. oh okay. Webcasts or like. Video is oh, video. Right, right. Podcasts uh, are just audio. I, 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 I just kidding. Okay. But anyways, how did you and Richard come up with the idea? Or was it your idea and Richard just because you guys were friends for maybe a few months longer? Really, we all met at the same time. But like why? Like was it your idea and he you brought him on? Or was it something that the two of you had discussed? I. We were arguing one day over how far someone would go for you know for twenty bucks. If if I put it, um, a twenty dollar bill in you know Medford Square or whatever, and uh, and I just announced it. I, I I I you know I I screamed it from the rooftops. So how how far would you, would someone go? Like would you would you you know you know you knew you could get it. Would you drive? Would you would you walk out your door and walk around the block if you were that close? Would you drive ten miles? Would you drive thirty miles? Right. What if other people knew about it too? Would you factor that in? You know, would you give up thinking someone would beat you to it? And and then we just got this idea. I I, I don't remember who exactly said we should do that, but I know I I thought of plenty of twenties. It just came to me right away. Right. And then we put it to the test one day. I said, you know what? I'm gonna put the twenty dollar bill. In the Wakefield Library. That's right, you did. And on my Facebook page, I'm just going to say it's there if anyone wants it. Who found it? Was it Lisa Mokaba? 
close. Lisa Sigmund, a friend of mine. Okay. And she went down for, within 45 minutes. She found that thing. She's like, um, she, she, she commented on the post, I'm on my way. This better not be a joke or whatever. Sure enough, she posted a photo and I was like, dang. And that's it, and that's how it rolled. What, at what point did the two of you be like, you know who else would jump on this crazy idea? Let's go to Kim Ring. She'll yeah. help. <laughs> <laughs> She'll at least let people know it exists in, in, you know, but in like, a major honestly, way. Honestly, like, could you have gone to any other friend? Lisa Mocabra, I think, might have been the only other person that would have been like, I will absolutely support this cockamamie scheme <laughs> of yours. Yeah, no, uh, I, you didn't slam the door on our face that day. You actually listened to us. I did. And and, and uh, I went to you for a reason, obviously, about friendship. But, um, I mean, I thought this might be right up your alley. If you thought this was a good idea, then I knew it would be a good idea. You know, And, I, and I, I wanted to pick your brain. What could we do with it? How could we get the word out? Do you think it would, is it even worth trying? It's hard. It was hard for me. Well, one, I mean, I would help you do anything because we've been friends for so long. But... It was hard for me to like not jump on it because it was such a crazy idea. And and to me, I hadn't seen it done and like from a national scale, even like were you we got you in like what, US News, I think at yeah. one point. Yeah, that was one. To me it was such like an interesting it was such a it was a social experiment to me before it was a business. That's, like that, you, that's the word for Right. It. When you did it at first, I was like, now I'm curious to see how many people show up for these 20s. And then when you started thinking about the business, like, ideas behind it, I was like, oh, okay. I get it now. That people, that's what they say. I've heard that so many times. Oh, okay. I get it now. Yeah. After they start probing me with questions and then all the 20s aren't coming out of my pocket. Right. You know, it's a it can be it's a business model one that someday I'll and and low investment like a lot yeah. of businesses that don't have you know like like a local restaurant that doesn't have this massive marketing budget. I mean, what does it cost? Two hundred bucks, and they could do like a fun plenty of twenties kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I my 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 dream is to um, you know, break even one of these years. You know, are you <laughs> are you down? Are well, you down? Lately, lately, no. I'm about even, given all the expenses and everything, which is fine by me. Uh, cause I, you know, for 11 uh, years straight, are you telling me that you, oh no, seven years straight that you've, you've literally hit a 20 at least once a week. Has there ever been a time where there, like you didn't? Oh no, no. I've gone like last year, especially I went, oh, this year, like I would go a month or two. Oh, and, but never like a year. It, like no. you've been doing it. Are you still writing the handwritten notes and putting them in envelopes? I or? have the I have printouts now, but if I forget one, I leave one in the office, then I'll write it on the note. I think I did that last week. Yeah. But I have them all printed out, the logo on there, and you know. And then my pet peeve, if I only have one pet peeve about this thing, is when people find a 20 and don't let me know. Right. Yeah, and so. Because there's like that final step, and it takes two seconds. I went to the effort to take money out of my wallet. Well, I don't even think you have a wallet. Do you have, like, a, do you have like an elastic band? I don't, I have, uh, I don't have a wallet. Look I don't even want to. Putting out my, my, I'm emptying the content. What is that book? Is that like that's, an old school, like. That's my passport. Why do you have a passport in your pocket? I lost my license. Hello. There's my cell phone. So oh. wait a second. You literally don't have a, you have a wallet. No, I don't. But you oh, just pulled I'm, out a bunch of money a that's not. I don't, okay. use, I, I don't put cash in a wallet. So you basically will just, what if you don't have a 20? Do you ever hide like a 10 and be no. like, sorry? You always make sure you have a 20. plenty of 20s, yeah. Yeah. Do you even know how cutting edge you were in the initial launch because you did video marketing, which wasn't even like a huge thing, but now is like 
essential to any market. You, you and Richard and Brian Fox. Oh yeah, that's made right. like an amazing launch video. You even were smart. See, you probably don't even know how smart you were in all this. Probably, I know I you, and did. you're gonna pretend like yeah, you don't. You did a Facebook video to technically launch it before the actual video came out with Beth Lopez. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was huge, which was the old school like Facebook Live before Facebook Live was live. Wow. You didn't know that, did you? No. Which is why part of the reason I continue to support you in this effort, because I know you are unaware of how smart you have been in your marketing, <laughs> but I'm aware. Well, good. Yeah. Someone's paying attention. I am. And you're bringing, so now you're here because you want to get it going again. I'm here because I'm getting all these compliments and I think you just keep going. <laughs> I'm not, my head is, I'm not going to fit through the door. No, but you do, you, you are... You're planning to ramp up. You've started sending email blasts again. I'm like, I, 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 I lost my way, but now I've been doing it. I remember how much joy I got out of this. I love it. Um, Do you really and, get uh, joy out of it, or I, is it like I, annoying to have to think about the when money? I, when I was doing it every day, it could be a, it became a little bit of a chore. So I think also scaling back is good for me. No, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy it. I, I, I get a kick out of it, like sneaking around and you know hiding money on, on a street sign or you know. You do um, get a kick out. I like to so write. Odd. I like, like writing the. You've always yeah. liked that stuff. Yeah. Creeping around. I'm a total creeper. But like in a good way. Like you would get enjoyment out of hiding something and then waiting for somebody to find it. Most people can't be bothered with that. I. They like, haven't tried it. I did it. We hid one for you once. Estonia, Reading. Reading. Yeah. And it was. I'm with you 100. percent Like we literally hid it, and then the two of us sat there and had drinks and watched. All these people. At one point, there were like five or six people looking for it. Yeah. And it's yeah. a weird, like, voyeuristic thing. But we were definitely into watching these people try to, like, fight. Not fight, but, like, and, again, they were laughing. Like, they were having fun. They were like, oh, are you looking for the 22? Like, it definitely brought people together. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm into it. It's, it yeah. is a lot. Of, it's creepy. Like, it's creepy when you think about it, but it's a ton of fun to watch. We laughed a bunch. There's a lot of me standing up, uh, standing like pretending to look at my phone, you know, to, in order to like buy time to like stuff a twenty, uh, you know, under a cushion or something. Because otherwise, people are wondering why I'm just standing yeah. lurking. Yeah. But you actually kind of became a little famous at one point. Like I remember, people were like, uh, like I said it in my class when I announced you as a as a client, and like two people in the class had heard about it. Well, in my day, I, I might have people have known me. But people maybe. were like, they, that wasn't a point. People were like super excited to like find you. Because if they saw you, they like knew automatically there was like, a that's how a lot of people that, that I've introduced you to are automatically like, does that mean there's a 20 hidden? Oh, the best, the best thing was, you know, I'd be at a bar, like talking to a babe and like she, you know, she, it would come up in conversation somehow. She's like, oh, I know plenty of 20s. That's you. Like, yeah. yeah. That was the dream. Yeah. yeah. How many times did that happen? Oh, quite a few. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. You were like a local celebrity. But you uh, were kind no, of No, but people knew. They didn't know me per se, that they knew the, They knew about the 20s. Someone was hiding 20s everywhere. Well, yeah, but I mean, people heard of Tesla and then they they went backwards and learned about Elon Musk. Yeah, well, let's, I don't think we belong in the same paragraph. I do. Are you going to smoke weed? Do you want to smoke weed on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. famous when you did it with Joe Rogan, we could do it on this podcast. Love it. Um, well, I'm psyched. So you're going to get it started again. So let's say people want to find 20s, right? What mm -hmm. are the ways that they can find your money? 
What What are the ways that they can get rich off of you getting poorer? <laughs> um, try All to find, in the name of fun. Get rich. Um, they could they could stumble and pretend to fall while trying to reach for a twenty and sue me. That's well, actually we'll edit that out. Yeah, I'm taking that out. That was a you're a lawyer and you just recommended uh, that. That means people are automatically going to do that. So we'll definitely edit that out. No, but if I so there are at this point how many ways to find twenties? Uh, my favorite and the most effective way, and I think I think the people one that people like the most is the email, the email club. So you sign up for it. You just go on the site and type in your email address. That's it. And then I think you get like a confirmation email or something back. But so the best way, probably the email club. And yeah. I just and I you get an email and, you, and I'll tell you like it'll be like three, four, or five twenties or whatever in there per, per whack. Okay. Or you can sometimes I'll release one on Facebook or I'll tweet. Gotcha. So there's all different. So so basically, if you sign up for the email blast, it doesn't mean that you're going to be notified of the 20 that you announced on Facebook. So there's like three yeah. three or so different unique ways to get a 20. Yeah, the email club is exclusively for the email members, you know, and it's completely separate. If I, if I feel like doing a Facebook exclusive 20, I'll do it. Totally separate from the email blast. Yeah, but the email has been the way to go. I'm, I, I enjoy those doing those the most, drafting up those those emails. You know that you should definitely, or we should, make that app a thing again. You know that, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> mobile <laughs> is the way to go. Yeah. And I think in the younger demographic, I mean, I know, you know, I don't, we went to nursery school and they know how old I am, but the younger kids are on Facebook. I know. And what about, is email making a comeback? I heard that. Email is the number one way most people communicate, believe it or not. So email is huge. But like from a social media perspective, these young kids, they don't get Twitter. They don't have Facebook. It's all Instagram and Snapchat. So And like US mail? I could do like, right, a, like, like a big snail circle. People love snail mail, like stamps. Got it. Yeah. Because I can, I can mail out like the location of 20. That will the postage cost. So. Like the old chain letters. Remember those chain letters you used to get? Oh, yeah. You have to send it to like five other people. Do you remember that? That was a thing. Yes. When we were young. Yes, I remember that. I never participated though. I participated in all of them. I would copy the same letter six times and send it out because <laughs> I was afraid like. You know, my mom breaking. told me that the Catholic Church was against chain those chain letters, those chain mail things because it's, yeah. Why? Catholic, because it's supposed to, you know, karma, good luck. Or, what is oh, because it? it's, it's like, um, what's the word? Um, not hijinks, although it is hijinks, but that was the <laughs> word I was thinking. Um, I can't think of the word. Yeah, you're supposed to get some, you know, like you get good karma. Or right. You get, but, you know, yeah. But by mystical, saying mystical if you don't do it. Oh, that too. Yeah, that could be. If you, it. Remember that was like the thing. If you don't, it's kind of like they did that. They took that to Facebook. Like if you don't share this with five other people, yeah, you're gonna suffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Which so is, makes me believe it might be why I had the challenging life I've had to date because I stopped sharing them on Facebook. <laughs> but I feel like I should get a ton because I did copy all those letters. You know, maybe it's you're just in the queue and your time's coming. Do up. you think yeah, so? A lot of people did that, so maybe I am in the queue. Um, all right, so they can sign up for the email blast. They can go to the website, which is plentyof20s.com. www. Yep. You don't say that anymore. Oh. That goes to show how much time has passed <laughs> since we launched. That I knew. Okay. Um, there is an app. 
Uh, I, I don't think it's even available. I got to renew the thing. All right, we should definitely get the app going again. But you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you are on Instagram. I never use it. I should. No, I know. I think I started it right when we did the um, the uh, Shark Tank. Okay. Yeah. yeah Audition. Yeah. Um, you started it. I started with this, but so you started it on September 30th because it was Jim Jolly's birthday. Yeah. Jim Jolly was my prom date, one of my best friends, also your absolute best friend. Are you cool talking about him like a little bit? Oh, yeah. What do you think? He knew about Plenty of 20s. If I remember correctly, you, he, you had ran this idea by him, and he was a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, we didn't, go, we didn't talk about so much of the business side of it. No, just the that. idea, the whole concept of like how far someone would go. Yeah, he liked it. I think part of it maybe didn't think I would actually go ahead and do it but he loved he loved the idea he got a kick out of it um, so you actually told him this was something you were thinking about yes, doing yeah. before he died yeah like about a year before really yeah and he was like well I know Jim he was like yeah yeah let's see how it goes like he yeah. probably to date I always say was like the most supportive friend I've ever had oh I, this no matter how cockamamie uh, your idea was, Jim Jolly was all about it. Not yours, meaning any like any one of his close friends. Like if yeah. you were into it, oh yeah, he, I, th- this thing would be a raging success because it, it's not now, but it would be a raging success if he were around. I mean, he would tell me what to do, how to do it. I think so know. too. And he was a um, like way ahead of the curve on a lot of like digital and marketing strategies. I feel like he would have if if this yeah. had if this times were different and it was. You, me, Richard, <laughs> Jim Jolly, and Nate. Where do you think this would be today? Um, I wouldn't be filing for bankruptcy. I tell you that much. <laughs> That's not a funny joke. Some of us have to file for bankruptcy in order to get filed. But we always pick ourselves back up. <laughs> no, but he. I really do think he would have like lent to this whole thing. Oh, duh. Hundred percent goes without saying. You know, Why do I, told, you... I mentioned it to him for a reason, not just because I, I I was excited about an idea. I wanted his feedback. And you know? what was his feedback? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, we didn't get into it too much in detail, but he was about the usual, his usual positive self. Did he have any he ideas that you that um, that you could incorporate now? That maybe back then you were like, that's because he very much was like ahead of the curve. So I could see back then his ideas being like to you being like we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But I bet they were cutting edge. Uh, frankly no. We we didn't get into too many of the details. Uh, he, I remember you know cuz at the time I didn't think I, he wouldn't be around and you know. Right. But he was definitely all for it. He, I think you remember him saying it was a you know, creative idea or a new idea and uh he was definitely he was definitely for it. But I, I we didn't get into particulars of social media, even social media. I don't even think it was really that big of a thing. I think, no. I, like, I know we had Facebook, but there really wasn't, like, a lot of surge on the other accounts. Yeah. Why did you choose to launch it? Because you launched it in a very specific way that not the rest of the world would necessarily know, but it was on his birthday, if I remember correctly. And the first 20 that you hid was in front of his West Street apartment that you guys both lived at. Yeah. Why did you pick that? Like, why did you pick to make that such, like, even though we didn't make a big fanfare, but, but it was significant. That was definitely a significant move. Why do you think that was? Uh, Jim was a doer, right? Yeah. So, I mean, 
plenty of 20s is a good idea, but there are millions of good ideas, you know, and you don't never, and no one ever, well, people rarely act on their good ideas and they never realize if they are a good idea or not. They don't execute it, at least try. And like I said, Jim wasn't one of those people. You know, he had an idea and he would do it and usually they would succeed. So he passes away. Months are going by. I'm sitting on this idea and I'm like, you know what? Um, uh, this is going to waste. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to do this. And, you know, September was right around the corner. I'm like, what a better way and a better day to do it than on September 30th, you know, as a little tribute to him. Yeah. And I did. And like you said, yeah, I hit it right outside of uh, the old 453 Washington Street. Which, it, to, to most people, it's, you know, oh, that's nice. But they don't understand, like, for you what that meant, right? Like, to be able to do that and to, like, pay tribute in your own way was huge because I don't think people truly understand what it was like to have a friend like Jim Jolly. Like mm -hmm. I wake up every day and I'm like, there are days that I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. I shouldn't have started my own business. I want to go back to working in nine to five. And there is no question in my mind that if Jim Jolly was still alive and I ever texted him that, hey, should I go back to work in nine to five or whatever? He was literally so supportive of, even the most ridiculous idea, thought, or anything that you had. So for you, it must have felt really good to know that when you launched it, I mean, it really was kind of like a big hit phenomenon, like right off of the bat. And partly because of that story. Uh, you think so? Uh, yeah, you, you took that and ran with it. It was a genuine thought and idea and tribute. And I think, remember, we got on the news there. Yeah. And I think they really ate that aspect of it up. I think it was because in a way for me... For me, it was a way to let, you know, Jim was a, by far one of my best friends, but you have been too. You and I have been through a lot together. And to me, it was like, what better, like you were doing it, what better way to say thank you to Jim? To me, it was what better way to say thank you to Steve and to Jim? Yeah. So to be able to tell that story was, but I don't think people understand necessarily like, it was a big thing for us to do together, and it did feel like the connection that we had with him. It was, yeah. it was like it was all it was meant to be. You know? That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, I honestly like I was. He changed so many people's lives. Like my husband says it all the time. Like he is just a miserable asshole. Like he always Jim Jolly's Jim Fest after he passed changed the way Jason looks at life. I know because it made him literally think to himself, if I die tomorrow. I wouldn't be able to pack a ballroom at a hotel and have a whole other state Skype in. Like, there <laughs> might be four or five I know. people. All the country. Like, and everybody was, like, tapped in all over the place. And it really did make you. And I do think it's, it's not only does it make you realize, like, I need to make some changes, but it makes people like us think if we have these great ideas or we have this passion, like, jump on it right away because he would have. He jumped on everything. He wrote books, started companies, like did everything. Always took advantage of every opportunity. So what would that say if like you had this amazing idea and didn't do anything with it? Exactly. He would have defriended both of us. Well, you. He would have never. Well, <laughs> just no, kidding. Right. He wouldn't have defriended either of us. He would have defriended most others, though. It would have just been the three of us. Yeah, he would have shrugged and his shoulder. And his 75 other like super million close friends that he had. Because everybody had the same relationship with him. Um. So we talked about everywhere to get you. If they want to follow you personally on social media, your blip chop. Yeah, but I'm not very active on that. Okay. Yeah. So basically 617 amazing. 
serving all your free money needs. <laughs> I love you. I'm so glad love we did too. this. Thank you. This is awesome. Thanks. We're back, guys, and we are talking to my friend Brian Spina, also known as Captain Brian, who is down running his extremely successful restaurant and comedy club off the hook, and he is in Naples. How long have you been there? In 96, I spent the summer in uh, Marco Island. In 97, I I spent the summer in my first semester in my senior year in college when I was going to Endicott in Boston and I was riding with the uh, with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife at doing my internship and then in 98 when I graduated I moved here immediately and um, that was it I never left but you went down you started you started your whole kind of like business empire with just did you start with the chartering fishing or did you start with the restaurants because I remember a long time ago you were kind of balancing both yeah, no, it started definitely um, with the fishing charter business, and that quickly grew to six boats. And then after that, um, I used the internet, really, at the time. I, I just I bought as many domain names as I could. I kind of figured, like, well, people are got to be searching. They're on vacation. They don't know what they're doing before they get here. So back in 98, I mean, I guess I saw maybe a little advantage over other people and and that business really took off. Like I, I grew to 12 boats. Um, and then a guy bought it on a, on a fishing charter one day. He said, I'd love to buy the business. And I said, well, it's really not for sale. I don't have any interest in selling it. And he said, well, I'd make you an offer you can't refuse. And I said, what was that? And he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I sold it. <laughs> and that's when you opened the restaurant. No, actually, I had started the restaurant business um, because the fishing charter business was was so successful that I thought, okay, if I open up a restaurant and I put it on like the main drag in Marco Island where all the tourists are, I could basically promote my fishing charter business and sell seafood. And people would come there kind of as the fishing charter booking headquarters and they would find me much easier than trying to go down to a marina and look behind, a you know, boat docks and locate my boat. So that's really how it started. And then, um, there wasn't anything like uh, my favorite, you know, Billy's or, you know, uh, Bill and Bob's or any right. of those kind of seafood roast beef places. So that's what I did. And it was a ta- it was a carry out seafood roast beef uh, kind of based after all the places up the North Shore, you know, and, and that's that was the start of it. But funny, because shortly after I did that. The most of the clientele didn't get it. Like yeah. they didn't understand one counter service, and they didn't understand that um, what the roast beef was. So, right. So it took a little while, but it also took a 180 degree change when I had to take the counter service out, and I was like, "This just isn't working." People are coming for lunch; it's packed. They get it, but at dinner, nobody was coming because they wanted to be served. And they're, you know, my thought was they'd come off the beach in Marco Island. And feel like, oh my God, what an exhausting day! Let's just grab, a, you know, a, some some fried clams and a roast beef sandwich and call it a night. Well, that didn't happen. Like, you know, yeah. people were like they still wanted like full entrees and service and bottles of wine. So one night I just closed and took the whole 
theme into a full service restaurant. I, I changed the counter service into a um, a bar height, and I put in kegs, um, kegerators underneath the bar, and I put the taps through the top of the counter they they used to order at, and it was a bar. And right. The next day, I started. <laughs> we started waiting on the tables, and uh, that was it. That's how it kind of started. Did that small? Did that ability to, to make a small like thing? and the ability to pivot as quickly as you did, do you think that is what then kind of like spawned all your growth? Because you started there, but then it wasn't shortly after that that you turned that into the comedy club slash restaurant. Because I remember when I went down to Marco Island, you had launched that already. But that had grown out of the restaurant, which had grown out of the counter service, right? Correct, yeah. Well, what happened was is the... The counter service restaurant was eighteen hundred square feet, and we had the we had about eighty to a hundred outside tables and chairs, and inside we only had sixty eight. So at any given time, there wasn't enough parking for any of those people. So so the landlord basically told me that you know, well, I, I'm selling real estate here. This is my real estate office, and this is just your little side business. You know, you're just a small tenant. I'd rather not renew your lease. So I was forced out. Because we were too busy. I mean, and today, like, I kind of laugh at it and say thank you very much. Right. Because you, just, you made me grow faster than I would have, you know, totally would have on my own. But um, that's really what happened is that basically he's like, I'll go month to month. Your lease is expired. I'm not going to renew your lease because I had taken over um, the end of a five-year lease. So it was only three years or I only had three years left. And... That's how I, I knew that when I bought the place. Uh, in, it was a pizzeria, and I turned it into a seafood restaurant. I knew that I only had three years left, but I didn't expect that within three years he was going to say you're too busy and, you're, and you're, you know, you're hurting all the other businesses in the plaza because you're taking up all the parking. Looking uh. back at it, I think that's pretty dumb because he's had like six tenants in that same location since I went out. He can't keep anybody in there. And also, like we were feeding businesses in that plaza today – Shopping centers, like, you know, cut your lease down if you're busy because they want that traffic driven so they can charge other big tenants, you know, the pricing that they want to charge them. And they know that the restaurant's going to bring in a lot of people. So, yeah, I just think it was short uh, sighted by him. But thank you for doing it. <laughs> how did you, where did you even come up with the idea? Because I, it still blows my mind. Where did you come up with the idea to turn it all into like a comedy club too? Well, the comedy Because you're not that funny. This is true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, charming, smart, <laughs> and a bit handsome, but funny in no freaking way. <laughs> No, seriously, you're funny. But how did you, like, how did you, because you didn't have a background in that. Not at all. I mean, look, I probably went and saw five comedy shows before I opened up a comedy club. Hmm. That's the truth. And the reason why I opened up a comedy club was because I took a look at the marketplace and I said, well, comedy, like, isn't being done in all of Southwest Florida. I mean, there wasn't a comedy club within... From, from, there was a comedy club in Tampa. There was a comedy club in Miami and West Palm Beach. And that left basically 200 miles, you know, from either club that there was nothing. And then Naples was growing and Marco Island was growing. And I said, I'm not going to just put on like music acts on stage and try to attract like the same crowd that everybody else is attracting mm -hmm. and, and do like 
I just didn't think that was a smart business plan to, to, to pay a band four, five, six hundred, a thousand dollars a night to perform and not charge a cover charge. Like that's what everybody was doing in town, literally, you know, in 2005. So there's still a majority of people don't charge cover charges because they're so scared that people are going to not come. Right. So, but they're willing to pay the bands whatever the band wants. So in my mind, I'm like, that's a dumb business move. Like, I don't see how that could possibly be effective. So I said, look, I'm going to bring in national comedians and do a regular, like, a regular comedy show. Like, they're not going to just walk in and laugh at a guy telling jokes, you know, a local comedian or whatever telling jokes on stage. Like, this is going to be an event. Like, they have to have tickets. There's, there's show times. There's going to be, you know, calendars of performances. It's going to happen every day. And I just started. And literally, like, the only reason why it worked was because the restaurant was so busy. There was so many people waiting to get in that literally I was able to tell all those people, sorry, now the, the show's going to start. You can either come in and pay for a ticket and still eat and watch the show. Or you could come back another time. And right. 90% of those people left and came back during hours that we didn't have the show, which filled those hours up. Then that meant that at 9.30 at night, which today is kind of, if you look at it, it's crazy. Like our 9.30 shows are the hardest shows to fill. But yet that was our normal showtime in Marco Island. We did all of our shows starting at 9.30 at night. Mm -hmm. Today, I mean, we start shows at 6, 8, and 10. And if I do a show at seven and nine, that's because on a Friday night, that nine o'clock show is way harder to fill. So that was hard. That was something I didn't know that I'm just doing all my shows at like the worst possible time for, to get people to come out and, and, and like relax. Right. Yeah. So like you'll have some people go to a late show, but nothing compared to the early shows. You know, the early shows are easy. Like they, they don't even care who's coming. They just want to go out and laugh and, you know, and, and eat dinner and have a good time. So. Getting the 9.30 show and then all of a sudden it's kind of like, well, there's 15 people in the restaurant. Meanwhile, I just turned away 200 people waiting an hour to eat dinner and freaked out like my parents and everybody that was involved with me. And they were like, that's that's ridiculous. Like, this isn't working. I don't know what you're doing. And I just kept doing it. You know, I, I can't I, I couldn't um, I couldn't stop. Right. I said, look, if this works, can you imagine if. Yeah, they're not going to always be here. Out of season in Florida, you know, we're very seasonal in Naples. So we have a big season, December, January, February, March, and April. And then a lot of the snowbirds go home. So in the summertime, it, it could be slow. You're not going to have a two-hour wait or an hour wait at your restaurant. It's just unheard of, right? So I'm thinking, like, well, imagine if we did a couple hundred covers in, in July on a Friday night. And then I have 200 people come to the comedy show. Like, that's a whole other night. That's a whole other serving of guests that you wouldn't have in a traditional restaurant right and that was my thought is like well if i could do two friday nights on every friday night and two saturday nights every saturday night and if i do three shows in a night then that's you know three nights in one night so basically because i could turn the whole restaurant fill it eat it everyone would eat and drink and that was the idea is that i was only worried about them eating and drinking yeah and in the comedy world that was kind of the opposite up until about 2015 people in 2015 in all the comedy like they're worried about selling tickets and making money at the door 
But in 2012, 13, 14, 15, all the changes came about with the rate of pay, uh, just like the musicians, where they're making all their money on tour. They're no longer making money selling albums and you know DVDs. Yeah. So they started charging way more for tickets, and that was going up, which meant that their personal appearance fees were starting to go up. So comedy clubs were like, well, damn, we're not making money at the door anymore. How are we going to do this? And, uh, you know, the improv reached out to me and they're like, we want to, we want you to do with the food and beverage, what you've done in your club. Can you do it with three or four of ours? And that's kind of like another thing, you know, just, I didn't put it out there that I was doing that. They just came to me. And this was like, this was before you even had these relationships where you were getting these big name comedians, you were just booking kind of like local well, at that time at that time no we really never started local like okay we do, there's kind of three tiers there's guys that are like funny that no one knows that tour all around and they probably work you know 50 weekends a year and you don't even know them then there's people that are like you know they have a little juice they got they got different credits they either were famous at one time or they had a tv show or you know whatever and they they have a small fan base somewhere that's a different lot. And then you get the guys like Mike Epps that are in like, you know, four movies this year. Right. So it's it's kind of like that's where it was. So we started with the guys that were just funny, that were regular professional stand-up comics. The same kind of guys you see on like cruise ships, right? Mm -hmm. Those guys that go out on a cruise ship, they're on the road like 50 weekends a year. Like they're on the road 300 days. And uh, they're funny and they're great comics and they just have no draw. You just have to build – uh, something around them that makes people come out and see it, see the show or buy a ticket. And then once they see it, they'll go and see that person again. Correct. Right. Correct. Right. Um, and so the where you're at now, you must not even have to do any kind of like outreach. You must just be part of like when these booking agents are like starting to put together tours, you must be at like the top of the list because you're in a, a, a good demographic. You've had other talent. So they can easily turn around and say to like a Jay Moore, oh yeah, this guy's played here, this guy's played here, this guy's played here. So how, ma how many leads do you get? Where are you like sifting through them or are you just now focusing only on those high-end names or higher-end names? Well, I mean, we definitely basically get tons of, <laughs> we get tons of fan mail and emails and, and up-and-coming comics that are looking to get on our stage. That's nonstop, mm -hmm. which is great. And we, you know, sometimes we sort through them and they're for one reason or another that we may get them on our stage to open up a show or host or something like that. But at this level, it's kind of like, like a movie theater. You know, you don't put in me movies. You go for blockbusters and that's, you know, because, again, you're only making money on your food and beverage. So if you can sell... 600 tickets in a night and that means 600 people are coming hopefully your per person average is high enough that it makes you a bunch of money rather than relying on how much you're going to make at the door yeah. so yes the, the major agencies in la new york wherever they are nashville there's a lot now in, in atlanta they're reaching out to you but i mean i like to pick the names that i that work well in my demographic yeah but there's always like the bright shining stars, like the like the Jeremy Piven who's not on the road and decided that he's going to go on the road and I get the first show, you know, or Jay Moore that he's going to do five shows in a year and he doesn't really tour right now, but he's looking to do five dates. I get that call, like I'm the first guy signed in the you know deal, like I do it, and they, and they also know that I'm crazy and I work 24 hours a day. So in LA, I don't know 
basically because of the traffic, they'll go in at like noon and work till like eight o'clock at night, which means 1130, 12 o'clock, they're still making phone calls from their office on my time. And not everyone's going to pick up the phone and answer that call and, and, you know, do a deal. But I do. Yeah. I think that's, that's a big, you know, part of it. Are you still, because like up here, dining trends have changed. Are you still finding that you're getting just as much success out of the restaurant, the food that you guys are serving, or have you like had to change kind of up a little bit? We change the menu almost weekly now. Yeah. And, um, it's funny because I have a meeting with my, uh, with my staff at 12 o'clock and my parents are still involved. I mean, they're here, they work from like five o'clock at night to like 11 o'clock at night every day. So, but they're old school. So they're like, you need to put on like fried clams, Brian. That's what everyone remembers us for. And I'm like, ma, ma, (laughs) ma, come on, seriously. Like, People are not eating fried clams. She's like, you're in Naples. Everybody's old. I'm like, yeah, they're all rich. They're all at the gym 24 hours a day, and they're old, but they look like they're young. Those people are not interested in eating, like, you know, fried seafood all night. That's just, I mean, there's a clientele that is. They're right. like, but we went to such and such, and, you know, it's like um, it was packed. I'm like, it was at 4 o'clock. You're right. And they all spent $22, drank <laughs> ice water, and – they made the restaurant made two dollars and twenty two cents on those people. I mean, that's like an old that's an old thought about Florida is that it's like all retirees, but it's actually not. I mean, a lot yeah, of especially we have thirteen middle schools, uh, eleven high schools in Naples, Florida. Yeah, people are people don't want to be up here anymore. It's, like, hello, how many do we have in you know when we grew up? How we, many do we have? We have in Wakefield. We have one middle school. One high school, like yeah, I mean five elementary maybe. We're you know we're look we I think we grew in the top five in the U.S. like the past five years, uh, for the fastest growth like five and a half percent each year we're growing like that's crazy. That's good, but see that's what that's why I asked because you know it seems all young. It seems like you're you're have a knack for being able to make a quick jump when you notice things are changing, which is good because that's like the whole the whole sign that a business is successful is if they can change with the times versus always staying out, you know, staying behind. And I always see that you're trying to get your staff to like embrace kind of being the marketing face for the restaurant because you can only do so much you're booking talent you're also kind of doing like what i do for a job when you do get these talents you're running them to to radio stations you're running them here you're running them there how are you finding that you are doing more of the marketing than you had originally planned you know i hired my first social media marketing director in 2007 wow and that was the first, and I and I was advertising that position. People didn't even know, know what, it, what was. it was. Yeah. So in 2007, I started, and that was my idea. Is that look, I did it well once with with Google, and with domain names, etc. And I see this social media thing picking up. I think that I should go after, you know, focusing on that. And some of it was kind of like 
money not well spent, to be honest with you. I mean, it was just way ahead of its time. And I did get a little discouraged with some of it and told that person, like, then they became my graphic designer. And then, and they also started doing like just all the website stuff. And like, we would run when Facebook ads came out, like we would run Facebook ads and not sell a single ticket. And I stopped doing it completely because I was like, I can run a, a, you know, I can run a Google campaign and do AdWords and I could target like certain things and do really well. And I saw huge returns, but that was really something that I thought was going to be big. And I was really excited about it, but I did not, I did not do well at it. And I put it aside for too long, to be honest with you. Yeah. And then when I brought it back, like I, we definitely saw a huge, um, I guess I probably brought that back seriously, like in 2000, maybe maybe 2012, 2011, 2012 is when we really started again running like campaigns on Facebook and um, we try, we do LinkedIn every once in a while, but I don't see a big return on that one. Uh, so yeah, we, we've been doing a lot of that stuff and that's one of the things that I think when you're, when your business is not multi-level, like when there's not a bunch of people that you have to check with, like you can move much quicker. And I don't check with anybody. Right. Like I literally get an idea. I'm not saying they're all good. I'll get an idea today and I'll put it out this afternoon. Sometimes people have to reel me back in and be like, you can't just, you know, act on every single one. You know, um, like I'm always the gas and sometimes the staff's like they're the break. But I, I try to go for it. I mean, I don't really hold back. If it works, I... I'll test it out. If it doesn't work, then I may not stick with it, but I'll try anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's worked because you're selling your shows out and you're, you're flipping your tables. You're doing, I mean, it, the proof is in the pudding. I don't, you know, I don't, you're smart in that you don't measure it all coming from one channel and you're not like, oh, it's all coming from Google AdWords. It's coming from all of it at this point, right? You've got social, you've got PR, you've got digital, you've got all that. Yeah, I mean, I, so so back to your question is, do I find myself doing more of it? I found myself in 2012 realizing that nobody's going to do it better than me, to be honest with you. Um, and after going through from 2000, probably five or six to 2012, probably eight, nine, ten uh, social media managers and, you know, uh, graphic designers and people that were doing things that I was hiring to do that. And I was just feeding them what to do instead of them thinking on their own. And how do I sell tickets? How do I get people to engage? How do I promote these shows? It wasn't, it wasn't worth my time to not only pay this, pay these people to do it, but then show them how to do it. Because then now I look and they're all like, you know, they were ones working, you know, they're the County PR person. They're this, they're that. They're like, there's like 10 other places that they're now working. But when I was teaching them, they didn't even have a clue where to start. Yeah. But that's the job they were already in. So, you know, I said like in 2012, why am I doing this, outsourcing this to people that right now still don't get how this game is work, how this game is, you know, going to be played out. And I just started doing it. I do everything. I do all the PR. I buy all the media. I do all the marketing, the graphics. Um, I do 50% of, uh, I do the website. I do all the ticket sales, all the contracts. I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot, but if it doesn't get done 
by me, like, I think you're just throwing money at it. Like, I'm not going to give somebody this is the this. Here's the thing. I spend half a million dollars a year marketing. Okay. And I don't want to put that expense in somebody's pocket and and have to rely on them to spend that money in the right or wrong place. I want that money spent exactly where it's the where I want it spent. It may not be the right place, but if it isn't, I don't have anyone to blame but myself. Yeah. And and like you said, you have you unless you know that that person is forward thinking, you're not going to feel good investing the money unless it comes from your own. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't want to be harping on somebody saying, "Well, why'd you do that? That didn't work." This week we didn't sell, you know, enough tickets. Makes sense. Like, well, that's just uh that's my fault now. Right. Are you going to stay like that? Are you going to keep you, like how long do you think you're going to be able to wear all these hats before you have to take on help in any kind of department? Well, it's funny because I <laughs> we're now on a search for a general manager um in my in my club for the daily operations, which I have a three four week lead time because I was lucky enough that he he did give me a um, you know a long enough lead time. But for me, like I was able to step out of the daily operations for the front of the house and do everything that puts people walking through the door. Yeah. Now, I mean, now I have to look at it and say, okay, so now I'm back at doing everything it looks like at least for a short term and some things will slip through the cracks there's no doubt i mean when when i have to greet customers and sign checks and you know do everything else look i can't be out there uh, pushing out my content on social media i can't be out there interviewing people or or bringing out new contracts for comedians so all of that kind of stuff is going to suffer but i can't have you know, when a guest comes in for them to have a subpar experience, I have to make sure that that's the most important thing during this time. Right. It's a funny thing. Like people, people don't truly understand what it's like. You know, even though your business is big in the sense of like the revenue it generates, like you're still a small business. Like I'm a small business. And the hardest thing we have is like trying to get it all done. And like, doing your own social media like if you slip even for a little bit you could miss an opportunity like it's it's tough it's a tough thing and it but it's also tough to let go of some of that responsibility because i don't know it's like trusting somebody with your child like at this point we've both invested so much in our businesses like how do we let somebody else kind of like run it you know what yeah. i mean yeah so i i give i give my staff the rights um on my instagram for the company on uh the Facebook page for the company, and then the Google business side of it. Um, I let them post, et cetera, and, and put up some content and stuff. But so I feel like, yeah, they're doing, they also see it in a different eye. So they could put up content maybe that I didn't think was going to be the right shot or I didn't think of to do. So with all of us doing it now, I think that, you know, the page is more exciting. There's more information on it. But my focus really has been to build a brand around what I do, and that's basically uh, I create content, and I, I just I know my way around social media, and I think that if I can have people actually embrace that and start following me because of that, then they're just naturally going to go to the comedy club because they like what I do. You created your own like, which is funny. In my lecture on coming up for my social media class, we talk about like 
translating a personal brand and translating a corporate brand online. And you've definitely built yourself to run parallel with your business. You've, you've created this personal brand where you're Captain Brian. So it's like everybody knows who you are. And so even though your, your brand doesn't necessarily intersect with like off the hook, they do run side by side and they help like kind of push each other. So you're without, you know, I know you got a chef background or a culinary background. So it's, it's amazing how quickly you've adapted to marketing and figured out how to make it work for you. Well, the thing is, is like, I think that I have, you know, I have a degree in psychology also and, and I can read people and I can understand kind of what people are thinking and what they want to see. So that gives me a little insight on how I can approach doing something that might be attractive to them. You know, I, that's what I think it's all about. And yeah, yeah really the, the Captain Brian's thing came from being a captain, you know, in the Coast Guard and then fishing and then the restaurant name and that stuck. So then I started embracing it. And um, the thing is, is like now when I do content, it's like an infomercial. <laughs> if I put something out on social media and, you know, like last week I had like 100,000 views, on on my on my live stream you know i did seven streams but that's good like it, it was it was got a lot of content that's just an infomercial for basically whatever i'm doing like i'm giving you content and information and fun stuff to watch but you're also watching me and like the next time i'm on i could be with my headline comedian and you know we're going to talk about the show and you're still going to watch right um, I think you're way better than the My Pillow guy, so keep doing the infomercials. Um, yeah, girl. <laughs> well, I miss you terribly. I can't wait to see you. I miss you too. I hope I didn't talk your ear off. Not at all. And I'll be tuning into the Captain's Log.